Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. She's pretty amazing in what she does. She is a Hayoka, which is a storyteller. She tells stories, but somehow woven into that is a message of healing or awareness or insight for all of us. She's also an intuitive, an empath, and um, a coach of sorts to help navigate through life. And she's back with us. Who knows what she's going to say? Janice rejoins us. Welcome back, Janice. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good, though. It's a, it's a beautiful day here on the mountaintop. The birds actually woke up this morning going, why am I singing? It's just really pretty. The leaves have about finished doing the main change, though, so it's starting to settle down. Some limbs are going bare. I went out to clear out some field yesterday and somehow woke up this morning with a little thorn sticking out of the bridge of my, right here. It was like a little hairpin, like a needle sticking straight out, like it had grown from my face out. Uh. Strange <laughs> and peculiar. I look like a little tiny rhinoceros with this little one. You know, I had taken a shower last night, washed my face, slept all over it, you know, did it this morning and put my glasses on. And it was right under the bridge of my glasses. And I thought, well, this is going to be a weird day. <laughs> hmm. Well, uh, maybe it's the beginning of a unicorn. Some say you are a unicorn, that there's I'm nothing like you. And maybe that is the beginning. Uh, I, I don't know. Hmm. I've been called a lot of things, but like. You know, the uniform, the unicorn, mm, no, they don't sparkle when they poof. <laughs> <laughs> so you've told us many stories um, that had a connection to a message, healing. Um, anything stand out in your, your mind, like a story of healing that had an impact on somebody's life? Something that really connects where you had a story uh, or some deep insight and then it helps somebody in some way, anything specific stand out in your mind? Mm. Yes, yes. It was, uh, gosh, I, I've I've talked to so many people from then to now. But then when I was still debating if I was really seeing things or if I was just making up and I had an odd imagination, because you never can tell about yourself. Other people can, but it's hard to see yourself. I had been doing readings I'd been telling people stories about themselves since I was old enough to talk sensibly and you could understand what I was saying. Uh, before that, I was doing it. People just couldn't understand. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but a lady in, in the Mediterranean asked me, she came over to my house one evening and she banged on the door. She didn't knock. I mean, she goes, bang, bang, bang on the door. And she comes in and she's like very small. She makes me look like a giant American and I'm, no longer five feet tall. But she comes into the room and she says, look, look and see for me. See what you can see for me. And she, that's all she said. She came in, put herself down in the kitchen chair and waited. And, and so, you know, I had nothing to do but to do what she told me because that's kind of girl I am. But it was so bizarre because when I sat down to look at her to figure out what she wanted, an oval opened up above her head. Like, a movie screen, but instead of being oblong, it was an oval and it had the little frillies around the, like an old fashioned cartoon. And mm. in it, in it was a strong wind. The wind was blowing the sand out and it was hitting me in the teeth 
and got in my mouth and in my eyes, the wind was blowing from this image of this oval screen in front of me. When the wind finally died down, I could see uh, a man and this woman, and they were in a situation and some stuff happened. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, and so I'm telling her what I'm looking at because I, I don't know what else to do. I'm just telling her what I see because it's over her head, like one of those quick quotes, things, images. She can't see it. So I'm telling her what I'm looking at. And finally, it, it comes to a close and I'm just the whole oval just kind of like vacuumed itself back shut again and it went away. For myself, I was kind of mesmerized. That was pretty cool, you know, to see, have it presented, to have the image actually, you know, put into a little, its own little stage so that I could see it as a presentation. This woman was so organized, you wouldn't believe it. In hindsight, that's probably why it was so well done. Turns out she had recently met a young man and there were these weird dreams coming out of this guy and she'd look at him out of this corner of her eye and she'd see some stuff that no married woman should see about a strange young man she'd just met. And she wanted to know who this young man was. As I told her the image, I didn't know any of this. She just sat down in the kitchen and said, tell me what you see. So I told her what I saw. When I was done, she's reaching for Kleenex and blowing her nose and wiping her eyes. She says, well, I, now I know. I said, now what do you know? She said, who the man is? I said, oh my God. It's your husband. She said, no, it's not my husband. Said, Holy cow. Who did I just see? And so she filled me in on the dream she had been having about this guy she had just met that correlated exactly to the image I was seeing over her head, except that her information was coming from present day. And I had picked up a scene that looked like something out of Lawrence of Arabia. I was in sand dunes at an oasis with tents and, and camels and guys in, in long, every, everybody wore robes. And it was just in another time experience. But the experience that was happening in this vision, she recognized as a repetition of what she had just endured, sleep trying to sleep last night and what she had imagined when she first met this guy. Once she realized that it was not a middle-aged woman lusting after some young hunk, but it was more likely to be a memory of some young hunk, she relaxed. I mean, she couldn't even look at her husband in the face straight. She was so embarrassed because of what happened when she looked at this guy. But once she saw the history of it and put it together, she realized she was just, you know, being a middle-aged woman, being embarrassed because once upon a time she was not middle-aged and uh, the feelings, the memories, Everything washed over her. She thought she was just never going to look at another guy but her husband. Only I guess she said that out loud because this character showed up. So that was a lot of fun uh, for me as well as educational for both of us. Uh, every time I see someone's history like that in that kind of setting, very often I'll learn some kind of actual history because of the time period, because of the way a person is dressed. Someone can identify that particular where that came from, you know, where, where that image might have first originated. So it's a uh, it's helpful to other people, and it's really interesting to me because I, I I like the little history notes. How did you pull that out? I just saw it. I saw it. I have always been a seer. 
when I was a little girl, mid to late 50s, there weren't a lot of words to describe a little child like me. Crazy was usually, you know, <laughs> just a little bit nuts. Uh, everybody's always keeping an eye out for me because I'd wander off at my own little world, seeing things. When my mom figured out what I was doing, you know, she'd sneak off and ask me what I had seen to see if it matched up with what she had seen. So it's just kind of like a little family inheritance. And you see symbols, signs when you're when you're doing a reading? And do you always see, have a story connected to a, if you will, call it a reading? Well, the readings turn out to be stories. That's really how I hmm. see it. Um, the kind of story, uh, a lot of times it looks like a movie. Like I've looked in on a, a movie trailer. I've looked in and read someone's diary. Or I've, like in the desert scene, I, I got hit in the face with sand to find out that I was in a sand dune experience. But I got hit in the face with sand in my kitchen while I was looking at the screen. I could smell camel dung. It was weird because the other senses came through the screen. So sometimes I surprise myself with how um, immersed I am. But telling it as a story seems to be the sanest way to explain what I see. I guess there are... Some people who, let's say, are medium psychics, and they might have a message from the other side or some insight, <clears throat> if you will. Um, you know, a, uh, a psychic is said to tell you the future. A medium actually connects with the other side. Um, you, it seems, it comes in the shape of a story. It does, like a, almost like a memory sometimes. Hmm. I remember. Yeah, it, it, a lot like a memory and I don't know where I would have such a memory from. Do you have to intentionally turn it on? Like, are you walking in a grocery store and picking up things from people and, a, you know, call it a movie plays in your head for a quick second? Um, you know, in this situation, it was, you know, Arabian nights, uh, so to speak. You know, would you walk into a grocery store and see somebody and all of a sudden you're focusing on, you know, somebody from colonial times? Why am I getting that? Or do you have to physically say, okay, what's the story? What's the story with this person that's before me that I'm going to read? Well, usually I bump into things whether I want to or not. <laughs> um, when I'm out doing day to day stuff, I tend to kind of work in my own little space, my twelve inches of personal space. Usually, I can get through with my shopping that way, and that'd be fine. A lot of times, though especially if I'm really determined to just stay in, stay to the shopping list, don't buy candy, don't look up from the list. If I get hit with something, um, a young woman one time came by, had my hair down, and she just followed me around the store flipping with my hair. Well, my hair was down past my knees at the time. It was, I shouldn't have worn it out like that in public. And I got frustrated when I realized she was trying to have a healing and she had reached out for my hair that's where my electricity comes through it screwed with my head but it balanced something in her it gave her peace she was calmer once we finally got her to let go she was much calmer more centered um her voice was was smoother she did have a little little bit of a problem she was an assist she was being assisted in her shopping with someone but uh, she grabbed my hair 
not the first person to come up and grab my hair, which is why I usually don't wear it down. But when I do and something like that happens, that's when I realize, well, that's why I had it down. That must have been why I left it down because so that somebody needed to touch on it. Somebody needed to grab me by the hair. And I have to deal with that because I work, I work 24 seven. I don't have any moments off. Wow. I'm all, I'm always on kind of in that way. Yeah. We've worked, you've, I've heard lots of stories you tell, um, but never learned the process here. Now you, the symbols came out before about, you know, Arabian connection. What are some of the other symbols, thoughts, things that have presented themselves when you're doing a reading in the form of a story for somebody. Not for someone else. Yeah. I will see them in other clothing, in period clothing. I will see uh, their ancestors who always show up in period clothing, whether the person I'm working with is or not. Um, And that gives me information then that goes into the story. The, The entity, the life force that reaches to talk with me from what other side other side means has a reason for it. There's way too many things to do over there than to just hang out and gossip over the fence with me. I don't like it. It gets us nowhere. It irritates me. So we don't do that. Hmm. But but I'm available. I mean, I'm on the bulletin board at the back of the laundromat over there. My picture says, come get Janice if you need help. Um, Cause I'm open 24 uh, seven. And, and it's, I have, uh, Found a way to feel respected. I had a meltdown uh, dealing with some Vietnam veterans. It was my meltdown, not theirs. I'm empathic, so I was already wading through theirs. But the images that I began to see were just too emotional for me to deal with physically. My body couldn't take what I was looking at as they told me their stories their memories of the war. And I had a hard, long discussion. I get out there. Sometimes I reach my limit and I go shake my fist at God and say, are you listening? I need this. If you want me to do what you want me to do, I need this. And what I needed was no visuals on that stuff. You know, I, you know, let me hear them. Let me help them. Let me do what I can, but I don't want to see. I don't want to see those images. They take me off track. They're just, 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 uh, it's distracting and they serve no purpose but to upset me so i've asked for that concession and i haven't seen any gore since then do you feel that you have spirit guides a lot of people who do readings say that there are spirits around them that kind of give them the the insight the messages do you have something like that yeah yeah i have a little a little ball of light it's been with me since i was in the crib i have memories of of playing with it I was still, I couldn't sit up yet in my crib. I was really young. But this little ball of light, it would like come in and out of the air. It may have, looking back, it might be fun to say it was crossing dimensions and I would see it pop in and out. But it was just my little friend. You know, we played. It helped get me in trouble. Helped try to keep me out of trouble. You know, Um, my little playmate. And it still is here with me. Uh, travels with me, comes with me. I heard some other people describe their them as friends. My friends are with me. Uh, my guides are with me. I think of it kind of like Spanky and the gang. <laughs> I have, uh, I'm never alone. Who are they? I've never felt alone. Who, who, 
you know, could you name them? Do you see them? Do you just sense them? Do you just know they're always around? I've really thought hard about that question. You'd be surprised. Because I've had the good luck to hang out with scientists who do scientific experiments. And to make it scientific, you have to be able to calculate and recalculate every single spot on the the gauge. Otherwise, it's woo-woo. So I've learned to think about what I do in non-woo-woo terms. How do I do this? It gets into a long, deep discussion, but it seems to have to do with um, radio waves, photosynthesis waves. These things carry information. Sunlight carries information, osmosis. The plants, you know, the leaves turn over, different chemical reactions happen. As the air and the light hits, different chemical reactions happen. I have grown to think that all creatures have this aspect. Hmm. Humans have blocked it out because we are just dealing with so many things on our handsets and we can't dare look up because we might miss something about Taylor Swift. Hmm. But we all have these abilities, but they've been pushed aside, ignored, gone into dormancy, sort of like an appendix for tonsils. You know, every once in a while they'll give you trouble and you know they'll act up and you'll notice them, but mostly we don't notice it. So for whatever reason, I've always, I've just always been a part of that sense. Uh, that's why I was the crybaby, why I was the silly one, the weird one, the one that would wander off because I would follow the spirit of a thing to discover uh, I didn't know where I was anymore and I was lost. Visitations from people from the back behind the cornfield when I was about three, different dreams that have repeated themselves over the years, the same location, but it's a different scene with the different dreams. I've never not had a connection with hmm, the more imaginative, visually stimulating side of my brain. <laughs> and I can't really tell you if it's something I'm making up, but I really feel like it's in response to literally what's in the air around me, what's circulating around me. Where would it come from? That's that's my thought. It's breath. You know, it would be the breath. I, I, you know, anybody can just make stuff up, but you're very specific, and there are messages in what you say, and we've seen mm -hmm. that. Uh, we've had people write in. We've had people call in. Um, I don't know how you do it, but it's interesting. And I don't mean this in a negative way. And entertaining, mm -hmm. even for Good. somebody you're reading. Good. That it's woven in an interesting story. We all love stories. We all have a story. We've been hearing stories since babies. Our parents would read us a bedtime story. So your messages of healing come in the form of a story, which is profoundly interesting. <laughs> it's very different. Uh, you know, a medium well, psychic yeah. can just say, hey, I'm getting this, and that's fine too. Have you ever seen the chemical equation where all the brainiacs put these letters and strange shapes and they mountain climb them up and down and across with the plus and the minuses and the parentheses and all that stuff? Sure. That's a story. Hmm. Fair enough. You have to know that language to read that story, but it's a story. One plus one equals two. That's a story. I, just wait I agree. until it weird things. Like you say, story is like, that's how we exchange information, how we double check that it means what we think it means. 
because it comes with a story and that may like doubled says whatever the message is. It's a great way to communicate. It's, it is honest. Generally, um, it leaves room for doubt, hmm. especially when I was growing up, you know, you always had to, there was always room for doubt. Um, but that makes the brain search and look to find out instead of being casual observer from the side, the brain kicks in with a story. If it was a formula or a recipe, you know, or, or just facts and figures, the brain just might turn it off. But if it's a story, don't you want to find out what happens next? Sure. And and you're more engaged. You're more engaged in it. It's the difference between watching a movie, which is a story, or just somebody jotting a couple of facts down and handing it to you. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe the story makes more sense than the random facts that somebody might might give you. And stories too, you might pick up something that really, you're the only one that got that connection because you're the only one that had that comic book when you were 10 years old and remembers that, that, that line, you know, there's facts and figures gives you facts and figures, but a story gives you uh, room to expand and, and project and pontificate. See, that's a, that's a deep word for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was when we, as, a, as children, my, my dad, he really was the son of a, a what do you call a dirt farmer? Anyway, he was a dirt farmer. I'll think of it in a minute. But they were really poor people. So when his brothers and sisters all decided that the littlest baby should go to school and finish high school, he was outnumbered. He had to go. But he learned all these cool words. So when we kids came along, he had to have a reason to use them. Well, I, haven't, I know what it means. I haven't heard that one in, in, in forever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my! Sometimes it would make him laugh, laugh and laugh until his latissables would flap. That was another good word. When I was three, he had to explain to me that the reason I could not drive my tricycle off the porch, down the sidewalk, down the driveway, through the air, around that tree and into the barn was because... My trajectory was off. I was three. Wow. Maybe this Tri- is what... It, yeah, it, I didn't buy it. When he said tricycles don't fly, I didn't believe that. But the trajectory, he had me there. I just... Maybe that's what's inspiring you to do what you do. Maybe the beginning there of of these uh, big words, if you will, that uh, came from maybe your father. And, and maybe it was... Uh, Maybe it was that <laughs> that kind of pushed into storytelling. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He grew up really poor, and you know, through the war, he was a depression. Was born in 1930, so he was a depression baby. He grew up the baby of eight or nine kids. There was 20 years between him and his oldest sister, mm. so they, you know, the oldest was raising the youngest. Um, his dad died out in the field, pushing pushing the hoe, the plow, while a mule pulled it at the other end. Uh, he had made a deal with God, apparently, the story went to me, that uh, his kids would be taken care of as long as they never forgot the Lord. Hmm, so most of us did pretty good. I've, I always took that as uh, something brilliant. I mean, as a little kid, I heard all sorts of things. I mean, we didn't rent this one house because of the giraffes. I thought there were giraffes in that house for years before I figured out it. They said drafts, not giraffes. <laughs> but well, my parents let me think it was giraffes. <laughs> we could probably fill a whole podcast with what you know. You think the I thought the glove compartment was a glove department. Oh, uh, the butter bins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a bunch. And of there's them. the butter bins, yeah. But my parents were smart enough to let us kids learn and develop 
at our own rate. And they'd encourage us to be just a little bit smarter. No matter how smart we were, we could be a little bit smarter, you know, if we pay better attention. Mm. Probably child abuse. but. (laughs) (laughs) How do we find you? Somebody's looking for a story. What's the story? How do we find you? Oh, you can just find me on Facebook. That one's really easy because I'm Janice Reed. I'm the goddess in training. Or you can find me on um, my email site. It's JaniceReed2 at Outlook.com. J-A-N-I-S. I I am Jan is. I'm not Janice. I ain't that sweet. J-A-N-I-S-G-O-D-D-E-S-S, the number two, at Outlook.com. I'm the second born. I've always been number two. It's always just going to be the bane of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to be number one? Is too much work involved. There's those expectations. But when your father calls out over a crowd, hey, number two, and everybody looks at you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess it's even worse if lots of people look at the same time. No, it was. It was. (laughs) I mean, uh, no, let's let's change that subject. (laughs) Great talking with you. I love the insight. And, and, you know, we've talked to... Um, quite a few times, but never knew the process, how the story gets put together. But now I got it. It's a, you know, now the story's clear. And, uh, and for that, I thank you. Thank you for being here. Are the rains gone? Can you see clearly now? Uh, it's about to rain here in New York. <laughs> oh, let me All right. Yeah. And there's probably uh, a story involved in that too. But, um, we'll, oh, yes. another time. There's another story there. Another time. We'll talk next time. Enjoy the weekend. Wait, enjoy the week. You too. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.